Explore the history, relationships, expertise, and data that go into ensuring Stein growers get maximum yield potential. This is the Stein Seedcast. Here's your host, David Thompson. Hello, and welcome to the Stein Seedcast. I'm your host, David Thompson, National Marketing and Sales Director for Stein Seed Company. We've got another great episode lined up with special guests, expert insights, and discussion on everything you need to know about maximizing yield potential. On today's episode, our special guest is Megan Anderson, field agronomist for Central Iowa for Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. Welcome back to the show, Megan. Thanks for having me. Reports of tar spot are coming in throughout the Midwest. Iowa State University Extension and Outreach recently announced that the disease has been observed in six counties here in central Iowa, which is the territory that Megan covers. Tar spot can cause significant yield damage to corn, so Megan is here to discuss what growers need to be on the lookout for this season, how they can mitigate the disease this year, and how to plan ahead for next year. So Megan, you were a guest on our show previously. Last time we talked about weed control takeaways. Today we're going to talk about tar spot, which is a topic that's of some importance, especially this summer. But to get things started, I thought maybe we could have you uh, run down kind of your background and a little bit about what you do for Iowa State University Extension. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, grew up on a farm in northwest Dallas County in central Iowa, and my dad and my brother still farm there today. And when I was a kid, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do, but I knew I loved farming. I just didn't want to be a farmer myself. So I went to Iowa State and got a degree in agronomy and then a master's degree in weed science so that I could help farmers. And so that has kind of brought me to my position here today where I was in eastern Iowa and now I'm in central Iowa as a field agronomist serving nine counties and just doing what I can uh, to provide research-based information and education to farmers and, and anyone else who works with them. So I assume your area covers all kinds of topics from, like you said, weed science, diseases, all of those different practices, how to help growers maximize crop each and every year to the best they can. Absolutely, right? It just it varies very much based on the day <laughs> and the season, what the questions are, right? So this time of year, we are just in the thick of it with crop issues and then trying to anticipate things that may be problems like the tar spot and doing our best to address them from a kind of maximizing yield standpoint, but also maximizing economics. So the topic we're here to talk about today is is tar spot. I wondered if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about this particular issue. First of all, what it is. What What is tar spot? Yeah, so uh, tar spot's a foliar fungal disease, right? So we're very familiar with things like gray leaf spot and northern corn leaf blight that overwinter here in Iowa. We've been dealing with them for a long time. And tar spot is much like that, except it's new. So it was known to be sort of in Central America and parts of Mexico and was found in the United States in the Eastern Corn Belt in 2015 and has since spread mostly westerly, but it's definitely spread to other areas and has become quite an issue in the Eastern Corn Belt. And so we're still sort of on the new end of this with it um, being found in every county in Iowa, but not necessarily being the top of everybody's priority list. And so it's really a matter of kind of what the weather conditions do and how much of this tar spot's out there, whether it's going to be an issue. But we are setting up for, you know, we found it had an early find this season. So we're potentially setting up to to have it be a disease of concern this year. You kind of partially answered my next question, which is we've talked about tar spot here the last couple of years. And it occurs to me that it's not something that was talked about previously. So this is something that is 
really new to the United States, to the Corn Belt, about when did we start to see this issue arise? Yeah, so 2015, I believe, was the first fine in Indiana, and I don't know if it was the same year or just shortly after that that it was found in northern Illinois and then kind of southern Michigan. And so we're looking at this area where, you know, the eastern Corn Belt gets more rainfall, which Tar Spot likes. And then it just kind of blew up from there. And I can't remember what year it was that it was originally spotted in Iowa. It may have actually been 2016, but if not, probably 2017 on the far eastern part of the state. And I think in 2018 or 2019, one of our plant pathology groups on campus did a statewide survey, and they found it in essentially every county. And so so since that time, we've known of its existence in basically every county in the state. And just a minute ago, you mentioned timing. And so I assume then that the timing is a factor here when we're talking about what the level of infection is or perhaps what the economic impact may be. You know, things can occur late in the season and it may be too late for it to have a significant impact. But you mentioned that this is earlier than maybe what we've seen before. Is that what what you're getting at? Yeah. So these diseases, you know, you can think of as think of them as following kind of like an exponential growth curve, right? That like they have to get into the canopy and then from there they spread, but it takes some time for them to really build up to high levels. So of course, the earlier it comes in, there's more potential for it to get to those high levels where it can cause yield loss. Um, Doesn't necessarily mean that it will because it's all a matter of kind of what the weather does and how quickly it spreads. But the fact that uh, we had the first fine again in the United States for the second year in a row I've heard it quoted as due to an overzealous crop scout, which I really like, right? That that crop scout is really good at finding single black spots in the lower part of the corn canopy. But we are, we certainly are are setting up to potentially have an issue uh, if the weather does uh, what we are worried that it could do. And, and maybe for a minute, go back and let's talk about specifically, you said it's a foliar disease, which means it occurs on the leaves. It is fungal, which means the what you're seeing is actually spores on the leaves themselves. Is that right? Yeah. So the the black spots we actually see on those leaves, they're called stroma. And so I don't know that there's a lot known about the specifics of those individual lesions, but they're just like a very kind of hard-shelled black lesion that bleeds through from the top of the leaf to the bottom of the leaf. So that's one of the keys to look for tar spot is that you can flip that leaf over and you see that black spot, that stroma on both the upper and the lower end. And so when the weather conditions are right, like getting rainfall uh, or having leaf moisture, those stroma can break open and they're going to release spores, right? And then those spores are going to get in the air or splash in raindrops and they're going to move to new leaves and to new plants and move elsewhere, perhaps to new fields. And then when they get free moisture on the leaves, they're going to be able to infect again, right? And so we're going to get this kind of consistent spread as this disease moves through the season and as the weather conditions are good for it. So the visible symptom of tar spot then would be these stroma that are on the leaves, and that's how they're identified. I'm assuming that there's probably some different things they need to look for, especially as for folks who maybe hadn't seen tar spot before. Is it misdiagnosed as other things? Quite easily. Okay. Right? So there's a lot of black things that can show up on leaves in a corn canopy, right? We get soil splashing. We've got dead bugs. We have bug frass. We've got any number of shiny or semi-shiny black spots. And so we've sort of comically passed out these big giant hankies that say tar spot detectors. So trying to encourage people that if you're out scouting for this, 
you really do need to kind of wipe down, try and scrape things off the leaves. Because tar spot is one thing, unlike bug poop and soil, you're not going to be able to scrape it or wipe it off the leaf. And then when you flip that leaf over, you will be able to see that lesion on the underside of the leaf as well as the top of the side, top of the leaf as well. And so it's going to start on whatever leaf is exposed, right, that would typically have free water on it. So whatever side of the leaf is facing up, and then uh, it will move through that leaf and break through the bottom of it. Um, and so flipping that leaf over is really important. So identification-wise, one, if, if it can't be wiped off the leaf, that's that's one telltale sign. Two, you're saying that that damage occurs and goes all the way through the leaf, so you have the underside leaf should also have a similar discoloration. Yes. Does it, uh, you mentioned lower leaves, so is that where it starts typically? Yeah, so I think where it starts in the canopy is going to be a pretty substantial function of where the spores are coming from. And so if you, if you find it first in the lower canopy, which this time of year I would expect to find it first in the lower canopy, maybe mid-shin to knee-high, so probably like the fifth or the sixth leaf on the plant. Of course, some of them have died off, so it may actually look only like the second or third leaf. Sure. That's probably splashing up from the soil, right, from inoculum that was already there present from maybe two years ago or the prior year when you grew corn and had some tar spot out in that field. We can see it come in because these spores can be airborne. We can see it come in, especially as uh, levels would build up in canopies, that spores could move maybe to a new field or a new part of a field through the air, in which case then it could start infecting in that upper canopy, and you may not really notice anything in the lower canopy. And so it's all just kind of a matter of what time of year you're looking, right? So this time of year, I would probably look in the mid-canopy, right? So middle of July, thinking like... The ear leaf, maybe leaf below, leaf above kind of thing, looking for tar spot because those are going to be the big leaves of concern this time of year, right? That upper canopy and that ear leaf, uh, making sure that those are protected or that they don't have tar spot. If I was looking really early in the season, I'm going to start like not hands and knees, but <laughs> I'm going to start in that lower yeah. canopy. And later in the year, it's just kind of, you know, wherever you find it. You mentioned, again, maybe the lower leaves being an indication that maybe you had the problem in a previous year. So I'm assuming this is something that overwinters for some period of time. It does, right? At this point, it's certainly still a new disease, but we can think of it just like our other foliar diseases that we're managing, like with fungicides and with uh, hybrid selection, right? So gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, just add tar spot to the list of foliar diseases that we need to consider that are overwintering in Iowa. So I was going to be my next question was, okay, so now that we know what it is and we kind of know how to identify it, what are the management techniques that are available to a grower when they're identifying this? Yeah, definitely. When somebody's maybe planning for the following growing season, you can find information about some corn, right, and its tolerance to tar spot. And so that information is going to become more and more available as we're able to gather more of that information from these companies as they're able to publish uh, these kind of ratings. The challenge I think that we have in a lot of Iowa, I would say from central Iowa west and then, you know, anywhere in the western Corn Belt is this big question of is tar spot going to be a problem for us because we maybe don't get as much rainfall, we're not irrigating our crops, and we haven't had tar spot for as long. And so I think the question is, where does it fall on the list of priorities when I'm selecting hybrids? 
And so hybrid selection is absolutely number one going to be our best defense against a disease like this, right? That's how we can set up our growing season to be successful against any foliar pathogen, right? So gosses, wilt, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot, the rusts, things like that. But then we do need to be monitoring in season because maybe that information isn't perfectly honed right now. Maybe we don't know whether tar spot's going to be an issue. Monitoring in season and then managing if we have to with fungicides is going to be our kind of next step. And fungicides are quite effective against it. So that's that's a good thing at this point that we do have that in-season management option available to us. Are there any generalities about timing of fungicide or is it just dependent on <laughs> when you've identified it and what the level of infestation is? Well, I think infection. It, I think it always depends on that. Yeah. Right. For anything. Yeah. Generally speaking, the research has shown that our typical fungicide timing uh, is going to be the ideal fungicide timing to hit it with one pass and get the best level of protection against tar spot. So, right, we typically would look at like VT to R1, maybe R2, right? So like silking to blister corn. And so that's really a good time to sort of target for, but we have to consider the fact that Tar spot does really well in like moderate temperatures and high leaf moisture environments, right? So lots of relative humidity. Think when you're going out in the corn and there's dew all over the leaves, right? It does need to dry out in between that, but it's going to do really well for infection, especially when we're getting like seven hours of leaf wetness. And so we're typically seeing it more explode later in the growing season, which does present a little bit of a question as to the typical timing of our fungicide application. And so we would say target VT to R3, right? So R3 would be uh, like the milk stage, right? So you go stick your fingernail through a kernel of corn and it's got a milky liquid in it as opposed to a clear liquid. If we go past R3, that's too late for it to really be a benefit. So we've talked about the fact that there are certainly other foliar fungal diseases. Are others that we maybe know better, are they predictor of what kind of issue we're going to have with tar spot, or is that not really follow? You know, some of them would prefer similar environmental type conditions, right? So like last year when we saw tar spot really start to get going in the latter part of August and in September in Iowa, we also saw northern corn leaf blight come in because it's going to like somewhat similar conditions, right? More moderate temperatures, uh, some of that leaf wetness, humidity in the canopy, it moves fast, right? So that can kind of tear through a canopy very quickly, right? Gray leaf spot is going to prefer, right? Still likes some moisture, likes the humidity, is going to prefer warmer temperatures. And so we may see them sort of coinciding together in corn canopies, but I don't know that they would necessarily be predictive of each other. This year, the only thing that I have found in corn canopies as <laughs> as far as like late June was tar spot and some common rust and some smut, right? So no, no northern corn leaf blight yet that I've seen, no gray leaf spot. But it wouldn't be unusual to see some of them sort of coexisting because our weather conditions change. So you could start with one and it could easily shift to conditions that are favorable for another. Absolutely, yeah. right? So it's just one of many things that we're thinking about when we're considering that in-season management for sure. We've talked a little bit about moisture, and I think that is certainly something that is one of the key ingredients when you're talking about a fungal infection like this. And I guess one thing I want you to 
maybe expand on is you mentioned leaf moisture. So typically, I think sometimes these are associated or, or I think people associate fungal diseases with rain. But it seems like what I'm reading is uh, it's not just rain. There are other things that, that could cause this disease to present itself independent. You don't have to have a lot of rain to have this problem. Is, is that a fair assumption? Absolutely, right? I mean, I would say that we've arguably been quite dry this growing season, but we have had sort of, you know, like once a week, right? We're getting some rain and our humidities are staying up. And so I was shocked earlier this week, right? This was in June. I walked out in some corn and at 10 a.m. there was still substantial moisture just sitting on the corn leaves. Even though we didn't get any rain and hadn't had rain for several days, there was just a lot of moisture sitting out there. And so that's something that researchers have worked really hard on to better predict when and where tar spot might be an issue based not only on rainfall that people have been receiving, but looking more at dew points and relative humidity and what's the likelihood that we are getting that moisture still in the canopy, even though there isn't rain. So yeah, having just enough moisture to be favorable for the growth of, of the fungal infection. You know, we talked a little bit about hybrids, and I know from a seed company standpoint, you know, you talked about maybe middle of the, uh, you know, 2015, 2016 kind of being sort of our first introduction to uh, this disease. And from a corn breeding standpoint, you know, a decade is not really enough time to start to steer that ship. You know, you can do some things about that. But I know that there's a lot of testing going on, and this is something that's starting to be looked at, but it takes time to find those products that are either tolerant or highly tolerant to certain things, especially you've got to know what you're looking for first. And so I know we do a lot more testing now than certainly what was done a few years ago because now we know what we need to look for. But hybrid selection hopefully can help with some of that. And then knowing we don't control the timing of everything, we got to plan our best bet. So in addition to hybrid selection, uh, what are the other things you advise growers who say, boy, I'm, I'm concerned, what do I need to be thinking about here as the rest of this season progresses? Yeah, get out in fields and look, right? I mean, that that is going to be the best indication of what's actually going out in your field is going out and looking and seeing. And so some good news about the tar spot is, is that it's typically easier for me to find on field edges probably has something to do with the moisture and then the drying conditions that are allowing that spread to happen more readily, right? Corns may be a little more stressed out on the field edges. So in some cases, right right at those field entrances, that may be an indicator of, okay, do I have it and how bad is this? And then take a swing through the field and see what that looks like. And my contention has been that I don't think in most areas we're going to need to be really treating for this, right? I'm definitely a little worried this year because it did come in so much earlier and it looks like some of these forecasts are showing more moisture conditions for us. But we typically have, right, about a 20, that'd be like a 20 to 25 day window to treat that and still have it be effective against the tar spot. We know we found it starting in the lower canopy in some fields. Uh, we know there's variation in hybrid tolerance, right? It hasn't necessarily been bred to that effect so far, but we know there's just a natural variation, right? Some hybrids are more tolerant than others. So seeing what information you can glean from your agronomist, right? Do you know, is there a certain hybrid that I have that's going to be the most susceptible? That's probably where I'm going to start looking. And just doing that scouting and the ground truth thing, and then uh, relying on good advisors to help make those decisions about the treatment. Uh, my understanding is that the fungicide availability is yet again a challenge this year. 
And so that may be something that could throw a little bit of a wrench in somebody's plans, but there's a number of different fungicide products that would be effective if it is a problem. And so I'm hopeful that that if it is an issue that needs to be treated, that we can manage it in a timely manner. And are there other resources put together so they can do some evaluation, figure out what the, you know, is what I'm looking at economically impactful? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, right? Because there's been really good work done out of Purdue, right? We can't, I mean, I'm in central Iowa and it's hit or miss as to whether we even really see it. So we can't really do good research right here in central Iowa about tar spot, but we can look at what others have done who have much more experience with it. And there's good research out of Purdue that that has come up with kind of this level that if you're out scouting at Dent, say we get to the end of this growing season, um, whether you treat it or not, I am a huge believer of scouting your corn at R5 at Dent stage and walking through that canopy because what is happening on the ear leaf and in the upper canopy of that corn can tell you so much about what happened earlier in the season as opposed to just waiting for the combine, right? I got all these pictures last year of the combine ran through and there's black spots all over the leaves. And it's like, okay, well, that doesn't really tell me what it was like when it was at R5, when it would have potentially affected yield. And so the data from Purdue would say, if you're out there at R5 and you have more than 5% leaf coverage on that ear leaf, it likely affected yield and a fungicide would have benefited you, right? Would have affected yield enough that that, that fungicide would have paid for itself above and beyond. If you have less than 5% ear leaf coverage at R5, then it's fairly unlikely that that fungicide would have paid, you know, you probably would have spent more money than you needed on that crop. And so that's a good indicator. The question is predicting ahead of time, right? Is it going to get to that point or not? But there's really great resources like that to help us figure this out. I've got a cool infographic that Allison Robertson created that could be shared widely, the Crop Protection Network. So cropprotectionnetwork.org has fungicide efficacy tables, And I think one of their handier resources that hasn't been used all that much or hasn't gotten a lot of press is actually disease, like a scale indicator where you can sort of move a bar across and look at a corn leaf and see, okay, what does 5% ear leaf coverage look like or like leaf coverage look Mm -hmm. like from tar spot? What does 30% coverage look like? And just to help you sort of calibrate your eye so that when you go out and look at that crop, you can more confidently say, oh, that's... That was 5% or, oh, yeah, that's 1% or 20%, whatever it may be. Is that something that's available on the phone, too, to be able to look at that? Or is it more like on a desktop? No, that's it's on a website. So you'd be okay. able to load it up, on the, load up on the phone. And I bet it's a mobile-friendly website. I'm not sure I've checked it on yeah. the phone itself. But it is, it's a great tool. You can use it for insect uh, defoliation as well. So it's a, pretty, it's a pretty neat thing that they have available for us. You mentioned, you know, scouting being critical to figuring out the timing of these infections. And it just occurred to me, I had a, an agronomist years ago say that combine photos are so challenging because it's kind of like asking you to solve the crime after the crime scene's already been cleaned up. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's like I'm a coroner trying to determine what happened to the dead corn plant, right? Like, like I, I'm not sure, but seeing, right, even pictures of what that corn looked like when it was alive at the end of the growing season would make a big difference in helping with that. But yeah, I, I, I think you know you can make yield estimates at R5. You can go through the corn and evaluate fungicide. Right, if you left a check strip, go check it. Right, see what benefit it provided you. Right, there's a lot of good reasons to go out and walk through a cornfield at that time. So, kind of wrapping this up on tar spot. 
it sounds to me like the answer is scout your fields, utilize the resources that are available on the web through the Crop Protection Network or your local extension and help figure out if you, you know, A, do you have the issue? B, if you do, is it economically viable to treat it or is it something that you're just going to work through? And, and if so, then you can think about next year whether you need to look at tolerant varieties or resistant varieties or other management practices. Absolutely. So before we go, I guess as we're talking here, we're kind of in the middle of the season, always thinking about what do growers need to be thinking about this time of year? Yeah, so there's a lot to be thinking about, right? I mean, there's a little bit of good news in that there's, in most cases, not too much left that we have to do for this crop. It's more of kind of a wait and see. But again, keeping an eye on that crop, looking for things that could be issues. I know I've talked with farmers before that they'll be out spraying a fungicide and I get a phone call and they'll say, well, what are all these yellow and black beetles out in my corn, right? I mean, I just, I stop the sprayer to take a little break and there's these beetles everywhere. And so keeping an eye out for just things like that that look weird this time of year because there are a lot of pest issues that can still creep up and that we can make better management decisions for the following growing season even if we can't do anything yet this year for things like that. We can't control the weather, unfortunately. <laughs> Wish I could. That'd be great. Right, right. But the weather this growing season thus far has been highly variable, and it's been kind of weird, right? I mean, we had all this, like, the haze coming from those um, fires up in Canada, yeah. really spotty rainfall. Even those who are getting rain, it has been maybe— 50 to 80% of what the nor- you know average or what normal would be in a lot of cases. And so just paying attention to things like that, right? We're not going to control the weather, but how are your crops handling that? Are there certain hybrids or varieties that are doing better? Are there pest issues out there? Lots of things to be thinking about, I think, still this time of year. Yeah, because taking those notes now will help in the fall. Like you said, you, you, sure, you have the yield results that happen in the fall, but it sure would be nice to be able to trace that back to something you saw early in the year, whether it was plant health or it was insects or these fungal diseases like tar spot or something like that might help you unravel sort of the puzzle of the whole thing. Absolutely. Oh, and I would totally be remiss if I didn't say, right, nutrient deficiencies on our crops because those are not uncommon to find when we're dry. So keeping an eye on that and thinking about how that might relate to the underlying soil fertility in the fields, right? So as we head toward fall, we could think about soil sampling if we haven't done it in a while. And then weed control. Weed control again, right? That's my background, but it's been pretty terrible in some cases this year, unfortunately. And Nobody likes to go look under a corn canopy, but that's another good reason to go look at our, at least by R5, if not earlier, and go see, did I uh, get the control that I expected out of the products that I used? Yeah, I suppose corn canopy can hide a lot of sins when it comes to herbicide weed control. It definitely can. (laughs) You say some, you know, maybe it hasn't been ideal, and I'm sure many years it's not ideal, obviously. You know, you strive for 100%. You never, you know, necessarily are going to get that. What are some of the things that are causing issues this year? I would say definitely as far as the weather goes, the lack of rainfall, right, kind of across the board, spotty rainfalls for a lot of folks. You know, here in central Iowa, we've really been sitting much better uh, than many of my colleagues and many farmers in in areas outside of that. I understand Illinois has been exceedingly dry, uh, as well as Indiana. But that haze has been kind of a weird 
addition to it that's, I think, a big question mark as to its potential effect on the crop at this point. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see because it's not that we haven't seen it before, but you know, it certainly seems like this is a bigger spread or a bigger impact event than what we've seen in, in the recent past. So Yeah, it's definitely hanging around a lot longer and varies by the day how bad it is, of course. Yeah. Well, Megan, appreciate you coming back on the podcast, talking to us about tar spot. Like I said, it's, uh, I, I think, you know, I would say none of us likes to go looking for trouble, but when trouble arrives, we owe it to to ourselves to check it out. And this is something that at least I think growers need to have on the radar screen and understand, you know, what it is, how to identify it, and where to go for resources if they need help. So I appreciate you coming on and talking about that today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, that's our time for today. I'd like to thank our guests and our listeners for joining us for another episode of the Stein Seedcast. We'll be back again soon with more expert interviews and insights about all things Stein. And to never miss an episode, subscribe to the Stein Seedcast wherever podcasts are found. Subscribe to the Stein Seedcast wherever podcasts are found. To learn more about Stein and its elite corn and soybean genetics, visit steinseed.com. Stein has yield.